ho, 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 and welcome to Tape Heads. I'm Sean. And I'm Lindsay. Tape Heads is the podcast where we select either a VHS tape from my collection or Lindsay's collection, we watch it, and then we talk about it. We're into the holiday season, the Christmas season, and uh, Lindsay, what did you pick out for us from your elf's work? <laughs> like, that's not a thing. Uh, <laughs> what did you pick out from Santa's bag? I don't know if it was from Santa's bag. I don't know if this was something that he wanted to give out. It makes Santa's look bad. But anyway, this is Jingle All the Way, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sinbad, and Jake Lloyd. Yeah, George Lucas saw Jingle All the Way, and he said to himself, This is the kid. I want to be Darth Vader. Because you, you really want to hire the kid that shouts all of his lines. Dad! Are you going to be at the Christmas parade, Dad? Dad, but you promised. That is the Jake Lloyd acting style. Um, Before we get too far into Jingle All the Way, because there's a lot to talk about here, there were a few ads before oh, yeah. a few trailers. There were some really great trailers. I was excited to see this trailer for Anastasia which was a wonderful animated movie. I was obsessed with it as a child, even though it's completely historically inaccurate and features lots of magic, but that's fine. You mean the talking bat wasn't historical? No, no. Oh. Yeah, that's one that I kind of missed out on when I was a kid. I didn't see that one. I'm horrified. That was followed up by an ad for a direct-to-video sequel that (laughs) I never knew even existed. I didn't either, although it, I probably saw the ad and just fast-forwarded through it. It's Ferngully 2, The Magical Rescue. Not featuring Robin Williams, because they probably couldn't afford to have him come back. Their budget was clearly really low. Robin Williams, they found someone to impersonate his voice, and it was a sort of thing where I was like, oh, did, did they get him back for this? Because I know he came back for the Aladdin sequels, but after a few seconds of the of his character talking, it was clear. No, they found the yeah. first impersonator that they could find. The quality of the animation was so poor, too. Oh, yeah, it looks like garbage. <laughs> it's really bad. No mincing words with Fern Gully 2 here on Tape Hits. Yeah. And then we have a very strange ad. How would you go about describing this? It looked like a commercial that somebody would make in high school when they're taking an introductory CGI course at the local community college. Yeah, this is advertising a made-for-TV Christmas carol, uh, yet another version of the Charles Dickens story. But because they apparently haven't shot any footage for it yet, it's just these CGI windows opening to a CGI fireplace, and then these CGI giant ornaments with names of movie stars on them come at you. There's Whoopi Goldberg, Tim Curry. There were a lot of notable actors in this film. I think all of the budget went to casting them and they didn't save any for this ad because the quality, I know it's 1996, but the quality of the CGI was so bad. But kind of endearingly bad. It reminded me of, uh, there was this freeware software in the 90s for Macintosh computers. It was called Holiday Lights, Christmas lights around your screen. And uh, I would play a little MIDI music and snow would fall. That's what this kind of reminded me of, except Tim Curry is involved. 
Um, what is this movie? Tell us about it. So it's a family film. It's good for all ages if you really want to teach your children about violence and materialism. <laughs> um, At Christmas. Absolutely. If you want to teach your kid that there's no such thing as a good person. Yeah. This is just the most misanthropic <laughs> Christmas movie I've ever seen. Which is funny considering that Chris Columbus did a rewrite. Of the script. Well, Chris Columbus kind of has a dark side. I mean, Gremlins, Home Alone is a very dark film, in my opinion. <laughs> this movie is really about a man who's terrible at being a father. He's not a very good husband. He's an awful neighbor. And he spends the course of the film trying to get his son a toy to try and make up for everything that he's not done or done wrong. We're supposed to be rooting for Arnold as he goes from toy store to toy store trying to get the hottest toy of the year on Christmas Eve. I think that the movie is kind of positing that if he gets this toy, then all the neglect and <laughs> abuse that he's shown his family will just be wiped away. It'll just be a, a, a clean slate for him. Now, I don't know if he's abusive. He is an absent father <laughs> and husband. Well, implied abuse. He's a very violent man, as we as we see. The thing, the thing that I love about this is this is a man that's so obsessed with his job that he has no time for his family, except no one addresses the fact that he must spend most of his time time outside of work at the gym getting super buff can we agree that arnold is miscast in this i mean it's fun because of arnold probably we wouldn't be talking about this movie right now if arnold schwarzenegger didn't happen to be in it but if we were trying to make this movie today like if mm -hmm. you had the script in front of you would arnold really be your first pick the thing is it's kind of weird because it's a situation where he's totally miscast but he's also perfectly cast because they they cast him because of his action star status like this is an action movie for kids it definitely turns into that, I would say. But you don't believe that he's this titan salesman that's just always thinking about his customer and is super savvy in business. It just, you can't believe it. I would like to see a pie graph of his day because he's at work, what, eight to ten hours a day. Then he's got to get in three hours at the gym <laughs> to look like that. <laughs> and he's thrown in sharp contrast with Phil Hartman's character. Kind of the Ned Flanders to his Homer Simpson. He uh, really does look like Ned Flanders in this. I mean, he looks like him. He has the same relationship with him where he's the goody two-shoes who does everything right. Mm -hmm. But because we can't have positive human characters in this movie, he's also got the hots for Arnold's wife. One of the things that we were debating after watching this was whether or not there was one decent human being in this movie. And you mentioning Phil Hartman having the hots for the wife, she was probably the only decent human being. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that she'd be someone I'd want to hang out with. <laughs> But she wasn't evil <laughs> like most of the people are in this film. Yeah, because Phil, like, Phil Hartman is a lech and is hitting on her and putting her in a vulnerable position and trying to take advantage, so he sucks. Jake Lloyd is eventually going to turn into Darth Vader because his dad didn't give him a toy on Christmas. Yeah, this is the all-universe theory of movies. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, I, I guess Jake Lloyd is just a bratty kid in this, but I yeah. wish that they hadn't made the kid so unlikable because then it could really fuel Arnold's mission of getting this toy. The thing that's funny is I think the kid is supposed to be likable. It's just that Jake Lloyd is very stiff and shouts his lines. It's a it's a really baffling performance, and I know that most child actors have yeah. trouble. It's very rare that you get like a Haley Joel Osment, which ironically he was also <laughs> up for Anakin Skywalker in Episode One. Oh, really? And uh, yep, Lucas took one more look at Jingle all the way, and he said to himself, "I want Jake Lloyd." I don't know. I'm thinking there are so many great child actors, too, though. Um, yeah, there is a Home ton. Think about Home Alone, Matilda, Mrs. Doubtfire. All the child actors in Mrs. Doubtfire are pretty strong. So really, he has no excuse. Being a child is not enough. There's another thing that we really need to talk about with Jingle All the Way, and that's this villain played by Sinbad, who <laughs> is a malevolent mailman, also hunting for this prized Turbo Man doll. This is no malevolent mailman Newman. This is a guy that's actually crazy in a very threatening, horrifying way. He's going postal throughout the film. And we're, he's wearing his mail uniform. Uh, one review that was released at the time said that Sinbad is struggling to outact his hat. <laughs> or be funnier than his hat, rather. And I guess we're to assume that Sinbad is on the job driving around in his mail truck as I he's mean, trying to also get this Turbo Man doll. He's carrying around packages, some of which he claims are bombs. And one of them really is, and he ends up blowing up some police officers, so... On the sort of the spectrum of unlikable characters in this movie, I would say that Mrs. Schwarzenegger is the most likable, and Sinbad is just a stone-cold sociopath. He successfully bombs the police at one point, is and it... he later endangers a child. Is it bad that I kind of dislike Phil Hartman's character more just because he's such a sleaze? I don't know. Sinbad, I mean, <laughs> Sinbad is clearly the victim of a mental illness in this, whereas Phil Hartman is just a lech. You know, at the same time, though, I was saying this, how fun would it be if you were a kid to have Phil Hartman on your block throwing yeah. Christmas Eve parties in his front yard with a real reindeer? Like, he takes his holidays very seriously. That's true, that's true. In a telling scene at the beginning of the film during uh, little Jake Lloyd's karate class, all of the moms in the town are hitting on Phil Hartman. Oh yeah, that man can't be resisted. And Phil Hartman's there recording everything while young Jake Lloyd's dad is stuck in traffic and getting into fights with cops, not physical fights. He does eventually get into physical fights. Yeah, this is true. But this is the other thing, thinking about the karate and what a terrible father Schwarzenegger's character is. When he's trying to make it up to his son and apologize for not having gone to his karate showdown to get his new purple belt... Arnold essentially just makes fun of his kid's hobby and something that's really important to him. Wrapping the belt around his head and like making faces and doing kicks in the air and pretending to be a ninja or something. Yeah, he's... And then he throws the belt on the bed when that doesn't please little Jake Lloyd. It's not enough that he didn't show up to the karate class. He also just is actively mocking his son's hobby. <laughs> 
there's a lot of little cameos by uh, 90s stars. You got Martin Mull from Sabrina the Teenage oh. Witch yep. as this uh, ponytail DJ who offers a Turbo Man up as a prize. I mean, this movie is really just a series of attempts to get this Turbo Man doll that go awry. And they go awry and cause a lot of destruction and even bodily injury to other people because it's just you have to get that doll the collateral damage of jingle all the way must be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars in this world let's see arnold's suv is destroyed toy stores are vandalized an entire illicit toy making ring is destroyed yeah there's it was a... run by santas and elves yeah that was jim belushi as the uh evil criminal mall santa who's running a ring of uh black market toys what do you think of jingle all the way as a christmas movie i mean you pick this you, you this, as your christmas movie for december what what about the holiday does does jingle all the way really represent to you i mean it feels christmasy because of all the imagery but when i think about it when i think about the structure of the story and what the story is telling us and the people involved in it it doesn't feel like a real Christmas story, which is kind of weird. It has this sort of disjointedness to it. Yeah, it's kind of almost like a disaster movie because, I mean... I guess it's supposed to be kind of cringe humor, but like when mm -hmm. the reindeer just destroys Phil Hartman's living room, it's like, oh god. Maybe it's just a sign of getting older, it's just I worry yeah. about the cost of all the property damage. Setting his house on fire, breaking some windows, and then feeding the reindeer beer later. That's another thing. There's no consequences to any of Arnold's actions. There are no consequences to Arnold's actions, but there are to Sinbad's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was kind of telling that at the end of the movie, <laughs> the black guy has a bunch of guns pointed in his face and is arrested. Whereas Arnold, who's arguably caused more death and destruction, gets away scot-free. I mean, really... Both of them pulled a lot of the same craziness. And Arnold was kind of, is in some ways worse because he impersonated an officer. He was speeding. He was flying around the town and destroying things, setting things on fire. I mean, it was just all over the place. And he actually caused personal injury to a police officer, partially unintentionally. Yeah, I mean, when you're really racking up all the crimes that were committed in pursuit of the Turbo Man doll... I mean, not even getting started on the fact that in the climax of the movie at this parade, they put on these costumes that have actual weapons on them, and they're just firing them willy-nilly into the crowd of people. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the weirdest part of it, because Arnold has to impersonate a superhero, and you know it's already been set up. He is no superhero. He is not the man for that costume. Yeah, and, and another thing that's funny about this whole climax is that no one realizes that it's Arnold. It seems like there's only one huge bodybuilder Austrian in this town, and yet no one knows that it's him, including his son and wife. That's the thing, like, I'd almost forgive the son for not recognizing his dad, because his dad's dressed up as a superhero, and it's his favorite superhero, so that kind of, like blending of fantasy and reality I can, I can understand where he wouldn't see it how does his wife not notice when they're st she's standing feet from him and she she's just saying thank you turbo man well maybe she's a bad wife too you maybe know? she is i mean phil hartman definitely saw an opening there that's why he made a move so 
Yeah, maybe that's so. I don't know. I resent the mother for getting in the way of our theory that there's no likable characters in this movie. <laughs> this movie had a 60 to $75 million budget. I don't know how much of that went to paying for Arnold and God knows Sinbad's an expensive actor, especially at this time. And it pretty much broke even. Did you see this in theaters? You know, I don't think I did. I think this is actually a uh, VHS-only movie for me. I remember seeing this in theaters with my family in Visalia, and even as a little kid kind of feeling pandered to. <laughs> this was not a holiday classic in my house. I think we might have rented it on VHS later on, but I don't know. There's something about this movie that's always kind of rubbed me the wrong way, I have to say. Yeah, I think there's something about this movie where... I think for me, it's because I watched so many action movies with my family as a kid, especially Arnold's movies. And so this is kind of something that I remember liking at the time because it's like, ah, ha, 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 isn't that a silly Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny because Arnold is the greatest strength and greatest weakness of this movie in a lot <laughs> of ways. He really is. He's kind of a terrible actor in this. He's either not emoting at all or he's way over the top. It's so funny when Jake Lloyd is doing the little picture of the family and the size yeah. of Arnold's neck in his drawing is like a tree trunk. <laughs> I was also, they did not do a very good job of making that look like a kid's drawing. That was clearly a professional artist's work. So the movie opens with this clip of Turbo Man, which is this TV show, movie, toy phenomena that is sweeping the nation. Clearly a spoof of Power Rangers that was popular mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah, very much so. I don't I also don't think it's a very successful spoof. Partly because I don't know, they made it too much like actual Power Rangers. Like when I was watching it, it didn't make me laugh. Yeah, I mean the only gag seems to be that the sidekick booster is just universally hated. It's this fluffy pink monster that kind of does nothing. Which doesn't, I don't remember there being anything like that in Power Rangers. And then it's just kind of like, I don't know, if you have bad acting and people in suits, that's not really a spoof, is it? Yeah, you know, I didn't even, it, it was such a poorly done spoof that I didn't even really register it as a spoof. I just sort of thought, you know, how movies within movies always tend to be really hammy because they want to say, hey, don't worry, this isn't the movie. This is the movie within the movie sort of thing. It's kind of distancing that they do. Yeah. It's kind of like Stab and Scream 2, where it's just really over the top. Maybe the spoof is less about the clip of the TV show that we see and more about how people react to it. It's kind of exposition. It's showing you that in this world, Turbo Man fever is sweeping the nation. And everybody's imitating them. Everybody's doing the Turbo Man salute. Everybody wants the Turbo Man doll. The Turbo Man salute is just a Boy Scout salute, though. <laughs> it's so weird. It's been branded, though. All the kids are just his weebelows. What's a weebelow? That's a rank on the Boy Scouts. Oh, I thought you were talking about weeaboo. <laughs> What's weeaboo? Well, you don't know what a weeaboo is? No. A weeaboo is someone who's nerdily into anime and manga like Japanese animation and stuff so obsessively so that they'll throw in Japanese words into their conversation and they 
try to imitate with their clothes or by dressing up Japanese animation, not actual Japanese culture, and they usually don't use the vocabulary correctly. Well, Lindsay, this has never come up on the show, but you speak Japanese. Could you give us a sample of what... uh... I don't know if I could really do that. (laughs) (laughs) Then allow me. Watashi is Jozu at Nihongo. Oh, God. The thing is, that's probably better than the typical weeaboo. Because they do stuff more like, I'm so kawaii. It's just like saying I'm cute. Oh, okay. Power Rangers was a Japanese show to begin with. To begin with, but I feel like most people watching the U.S., I always thought of it as an American show because the the entire cast that we saw was American. And um, apparently Turbo Man's suit is modeled after the Flash, that kind of red Oh, uh, that makes chassis sense. chassis look. So really pulling from kind of comic book hero status. Yeah, and this was kind of before the big superhero boom. So, you know, Jingle well All the before. Way was a really uh, <laughs> prophetic film. You know, Arnold was just ahead of his time between this and Batman. Speaking of Mr. Freeze, uh, the supervillain <laughs> of, of Batman Robin... Sinbad almost didn't play this this villain character, this mailman. No, he didn't. And it's kind of interesting to hear who almost had the role, and it was Joe Pesci. Wouldn't that have been such a different movie? Yeah. Such a better movie. <laughs> I think I can understand why they considered Joe Pesci, what with the Chris Columbus connection and him having been the villain in Home... One of the two villains in Home Alone. I feel like it would have been better if he were cast in Sinbad's role instead. Yeah, something about Sinbad, he's trying to be an endearing villain with these rants he goes off on, but he's legitimately scary. He's sociopathic, and I think that's the thing where because he has such a sweet, happy face, it doesn't quite work. Whereas Joe Pesci, he can really play that kind of... Sort of slimy, but kind of endearing guy that makes you laugh and pulls you in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Joe Pesci is endearing when he plays murderers, like in Goodfellas, or even in in Home Alone, he's basically trying to kill a child for two movies, <laughs> but you like him. Yeah, he just he has that, that charm to him. He's a winning child murderer. Attempted, <laughs> attempted child yep, murderer. Him and Freddy Krueger. This is another thing about Sinbad, the mailman. He's on the job. We've seen him driving around, and yet he's drinking bourbon out of the bottle. (laughs) He's drunk and actively pursuing a children's toy throughout his shift. We assume he's on the job, but you never see him delivering mail. He's just driving around in the truck with his hat on. Maybe he's been laid off. You know, this was, at this time in the 90s, it was a big pop culture reference uh, that you know, mailmen would go postal, that they'd go on shooting rampages. That was Wait, really? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of why he's a mailman in this. I mean, in the pre-Columbine world, like, that's, those are the people that would go on shooting sprees were mailmen. I didn't know that. I mean, it was a stereotype, you know, like the expression going postal. You've heard that, right? Yeah. 
I never thought about the root of that phrase. That's so funny. I well, mean, not really funny, funny, but you know. In the 90s, before we had actual random acts of mass violence to worry about, we would make up scenarios in which mailmen were perpetrating them. Oh, wow. And that's where this sort of thing comes from. Like in Mad Magazine, you, there'd be some section on, on mailmen going postal. And it was, I feel like, I don't know if there are real instances of it, but... Because I've heard of the mailman that hates dogs because they're That's a, yeah, that, attacked I mean, by dogs and those kinds of stereotypes. I've never heard about the crazy mailman that will kill you. Yeah, I mean, I got to be careful because my uncle is a former mailman. But, well, uh, I have a cousin who's a former mailman, too. Yes, so. I, I happen to like mailmen a lot. <laughs> but that was kind of the cliche. That was kind of the, the stereotype is that mailmen had really stressful jobs and they, a bunch of movies from the 90s, just Demon Knight comes to mind. There were a lot of references to, uh-oh, watch out for the mailman. He's got an arsenal and one of these days he's just going to snap. That's so funny. That and makes the, the, the character make more sense to me a little bit, knowing that. There's multiple times when he takes out a package and says, this is a bomb. But and once it is, and on one occasion it is a bomb. I feel like that's more of a Unabomber thing that was yeah. also going on at this time. Huh. But even that, it's like, this is some really dark subject matter to have in a children's movie. And I feel like that might be kind of Chris Columbus's influence. I think he drastically rewrote this script. Well, and they, supposedly he was the one that added a lot of the uh, kind of satire of the commercialization of Christmas. Like this desperate need to buy all these gifts for your kids and that's the way you're a good parent. You know, and that as satire doesn't really work for me because I feel like the movie kind of wants it both ways. It wants it doesn't you, fully commit. It wants you to feel like like this mission that Arnold is going on is important and he can make it up to his son mm -hmm. if he gets this toy. But something about the direction and the performances just that never comes across as like intentional satire. And it's funny because ultimately Arnold does get the toy for his son after his grand gesture of accidentally becoming, uh, not Iron Man, what's that? <laughs> Turbo Man. Of accidentally becoming Turbo Man, he is able to select his child to receive this one-of-a-kind special edition Turbo Man doll that's being handed out during the parade. And yet his son gives it away to the man that tried to kill him. <laughs> yeah. And we're supposed to think, and, and, the, and Jake Lloyd says something really cute like, I don't need the doll, my dad is Turbo Man. Uh, and we're supposed to find that really endearing, but it's kind of like, no, your life was just put in danger by this madman. I mean... Sinbad had donned the costume of kind of the Lord Zed type villain and uh, during this whole parade and he nearly kills Jake Lloyd trying to get this plastic doll and it's kind of like is this a guy that you really want to pity right now? The other thing is that Arnold went through so much to get that doll yeah. you kind of think that he would be totally pissed. He's And he says with a smile on his face like what do you mean? But uh uh, I'm just surprised that Arnold doesn't go nuts once he gives that doll away. Can you imitate one of his lines? For oh, yes, Sean? this is a running thing. We're going to try and get our. There's a lot of Arnold movies to cover on VHS. We're going to slowly work on our Arnold accent. 
Let's see. Uh, to give a little context for whatever line you give. Okay, um, this is Arnold on the phone with Phil Hartman, who's eating one of his Christmas cookies. Put the cookie down! How was that? <laughs> that was uh, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm going to give you one. Uh, Arnold's at, at work instead of with his family. He's talking and, to his wife. And he's talking to his wife, and out of habit, what what does he say to her at the end of the call? And don't forget, you're my number one customer. That's pretty good. That's, That's pretty, pretty good. good. That was terrible. I give you three out of five Terminators for that one. I think that was a one and a half. Which reminds me, there are quite a few parallels with the other Schwarzenegger movie that we've covered so far on the show, Commando, mm-hmm. in that we kind of see a gentler side of Arnold. Yeah. We sort of see his relationship with a child, which is what Commando was ostensibly about (laughs) before he started killing everyone on the planet Earth. Do you feel like Arnold is a better father to Alyssa Milano or to Jake Lloyd? (laughs) To Alyssa Milano, for sure. That's clearly the case. Yeah. He bends heaven and earth to save her life. Even before that, he was a great dad. He was feeding deer with her. He was chopping firewood for her. Teaching her to fight. I say Commando Arnold wins there. Absolutely. Um, He was even better to his girlfriend than to his wife. After the credits of Jingle All the Way, there's a special scene that I don't know if I've ever seen in my life. I, I can't remember... The scene did not ring a bell, but we see Arnold finally putting the star on top of the tree so it's really Christmas in the in their household. And then he comes to the realization that he forgot to get his wife a gift. Yeah, and it does that fast zoom in on his face as he breaks the fourth wall <laughs> and starts to freak out. So we're to assume that Arnold just didn't get presents for anyone. He didn't get anything for yeah. for his kid or for his wife. Yeah. I think it's really just that he, he just cares about Arnold. I think this is another thing where the messaging of the movie gets a little mixed up because it's supposed to be anti commercialism at Christmas and being very materialistic and thinking only of gifts and using gifts to win people's love. And you kind of get away from that because Jake Lloyd gives away the toy and so there's no gift. It's just the gift of his father's love and how much he wanted to do something for him. And then we see at the end there that he's like, oh god, I don't have a present for my wife and she's going to hate me for it. Yeah, and and there's moments when the film seems self-aware about its messaging, like when Arnold kicks the flaming head of, was it Joseph, one of the wise men that he kicks through the window? Yes, it was. He's actively like destroying Christ imagery in the pursuit of material possessions on Christmas Eve. While also taking down the home of his much-hated neighbor, Phil Hartman. This is this is another thing that really bothers me with Arnold's character and really stops me from liking him. He decides because he doesn't like Phil Hartman that he's going to go into his house and steal... Phil Hartman's son's Turbo Man. That's how he's going to resolve this situation. And they kind of dance around it by him stopping in the doorway and saying, wait, I can't do this, and going back inside. But still, like, 99% of people would not even think to do that. They wouldn't go in that house in the first place, let alone have a reindeer destroy his entire house in the process. Well, because the reindeer attacks him, and then... 
things get set on fire, and his wife catches him and says, you were stealing that from under his tree, weren't you? And she knows, and this is the thing that I can't really connect with, is that she's just kind of like, later it's just, oh, okay. And I think they try to make it okay by making Phil Hartman such a sleazeball, but it's really not. It's still definitely not okay. Do you think she'd be better off with Phil Hartman? Is he really that sensitive? Like, it seems like an act for him. Like how when he burned his hand with the cookies, he was acting all loving and like, you go take a shower. So she went and took a shower and they burned his hand and yelled at the kids. I don't think he's as awesome as he pretends to be. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I I feel like he was one of the great comics uh, uh, to come from Saturday Night Live. And he just doesn't have much to do in this except be the smarmy, goody-two-shoes, lecherous neighbor. Yeah, they really didn't give him much. All right, Lindsay, well, this is your Christmas tape. Uh, What do you think? Do you buy it, rent it, tape over it? The people want to know. I'm really on the fence with this one. I'm going to say tape over it. (gasps) Because it's just not very good. And there's not really anything rewarding about it. The acting's not that great, except for Phil Hartman. Like, forgiving it being a children's film and having kind of fantasy elements is just completely implausible. Yeah, it really becomes cartoonish at a certain point. It starts off pretty grounded. Yeah. But by the time bombs are going off and cops are just kind of covered in soot. We're we're talking Wile E. Coyote level kind of cartoonishness with the bomb. If you saw it as a kid and you're curious to revisit, go ahead. Then it's a rent it, but... In general, I'm going to say tape over it. I'm also going to say tape over it. I don't really know if my feelings about it have changed very much over the years. Yeah, I just feel like there's so many great Christmas movies, so many good kids Christmas movies out there, so many good Arnold movies. This just is not a stellar movie in any category. Um, (laughs) And it's not quite so bad that it's good. I enjoyed watching it with you, you know, just, I got a few chuckles out of it, but I would not recommend it. I'd say between Home Alone and Gremlins, Chris Columbus has done much better things for Christmas. I like Sinbad. He's just not well cast. Schwarzenegger's miscast. And the whole thing just doesn't make you feel good at the end. Yeah, and I, you know, maybe another barometer to go by is I feel like a great Christmas movie you don't necessarily have to see it Christmas to enjoy. Yeah. Like, It's a Wonderful Life, you could see it any time of year. And and the movie that I'm doing next time, I also feel that way about. Whereas this, the only time that you would watch this is at Christmas. Oh, yeah. Because it has that iconography. Although, The Santa Claus is arguably a pretty fun Christmas movie, and I don't know if you could really watch that at any other time of year. Yeah, point taken. So, uh, Sean, you hinted at it. What are we watching next? Well, I hate to get all Jesus-y on you. Um, This one is about the real Christmas. The real Christmas. Yep. He's the reason for the season. He made great sacrifices to save us. I'm talking about John McClane. Oh. The actor is Bruce Willis. The movie is Die Hard. The greatest Christmas movie of all time. 
I can't wait to talk about this movie. Yeah, it's probably one of my favorite Christmas movies. It's one of my. It's probably one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah, I would put this in my top ten all time <laughs> movies. Uh, I I love Die Hard. Yeah, I watch uh, it every uh, year along with the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia Christmas special. If you feel like sharing some Christmas cheer, look us up on iTunes. Uh, you can see our website and get updates about the podcast on tapeheadspodcast.com. You can also email us with any questions, comments, complaints at tapeheadspodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to thank uh, one of our favorite elves, Mr. Will Price, uh, for use of his song Mandatory Groove. You can find more of his music at soundcloud.com slash gargantulon. So that's it for Tapeheads. I've been Sean. And I've been Lindsay. Until next time.